When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I tell you what, gents, I had a heavenly Herbie sausage bolognese before. Really? I've not had that one. It was fabulous. From the Herbie sausage. A Herbie sausage bolognese. Have you had any this week, Chris? I have. I tell a lie. My mum's my mom's on board, isn't she? All right. Yes. You know, she's made the um, the fragrant lamb pilau. And I had the leftovers. It was magnificent. I've not had that one either. Tremendous. I've not had a bad meal from there, I'll be honest. Well, as we all know, HelloFresh is fresh quality ingredients for delicious dinners that you can cook at home. Easy to read, six-step recipe cards to cook delicious, fuss-free dinners. If if you're ordering for the first time, don't do what I did and throw the meat in the bin. (laughs) I I, I thought that was just the, uh, I thought it was like the cooler to keep it cool, but I'd actually throw the uh, mate in the bin. It's, it's perfect if, you, <laughs> if you've got a family and you can't really be asked cooking or whatever. Or shopping, really. Yeah, or shopping. 20-minute variety of recipes. Never eat the same thing twice. If you don't want to, yeah. I mean, just takes all the stress out, doesn't it? Stress out, uh, going to the supermarket, planning your meals and all that. Job done. You know what you've got in your fridge. Vegetarian options. Hey, do you know what they've got now? Barbecues. The summer, but you you can order barbecue meals. So oh, you hear all uh, the all the marinades and the and the spices when you're inviting everybody around. They think you're a whiz. That's the thing for me. I don't. Re- I never realised these little things, the little pots that make this taste. You, 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 yeah. The little touches, John. Yeah, the, the little. You don't know. I won't know it even went in it. Got a summer choice as well for them. Like when you're when you want them lighter meals. Uh, I don't. I've never had a. I never wanted a lighter meal. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> you, don't want, you don't want a shepherd's pie on a hot summer's day, do you? Uh, yeah, I think a shepherd's pie on a hot summer's day, no bother. <laughs> well, for those of you that don't want a shepherd's pie whilst lounging in the back garden, you'd like a nice uh, a nice salad, then uh, there's the summer section. They've also got a premium eat-in now. It's like restaurant quality. You pay a little bit more, restaurant quality well, food. that must be incredible then, because the, the, the normal gear is good. Well, you get 50% off your first HelloFresh recipe box and 35% off your next three with the code COSH. HelloFresh provides all fresh seasonal ingredients and step-by-step recipe cards to cook up delicious dinners, and they're delivered straight to your door at any time that suits you. So all you've got to do is input the code COSH and get your 50% off your first HelloFresh recipe box and 35% off your next free. A flexible weekly subscription that has no minimum terms and means you can change, pause, or cancel your deliveries whenever you want to. Job done. You all will not be disappointed. Under the cosh, under the cosh, it's under the cosh and friends, oh. 
It's under the cash, it's under the cash, and friends. Oh, week by week, we take a peek at another guest, but it's a mystery. Oh, Kylie Minogue, no, Russell Crowe, more likely a footballer that you don't know. So grab a beer and bring that cheer, cause it's time for Under the Cash. And friends, I've already warned him we get with fancy dress. <laughs> <laughs> Here he is. <laughs> I can hear you, I can hear you. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. hey, hey how you doing? Hey. What the hell? You never thought you'd see me in a bra, big man, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so hold on, hold on, hold on, school me, because I totally, I, I didn't get the dress code, so what are you not rocking, yeah. bro? Oh, this is just to be fair, but we've got, uh, we've, we've, yeah, we like to make an effort every now and again. Now we've got... Uh, We've got Woody on from Bastille in a bit, and then we've got Robbie Williams coming on later on. So we've gone with the old uh, pop star theme. Okay. So I've come as Cher, obviously. Oh, I would have guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually would have got that Cher. You, you, you've got the complexion, I see it, you get me. <laughs> the thing is, though, mate, she, she, she's 80, mate. She's still got a better body oh, than me. She's fucking 80. That's yes. Queen, right? Yes. Queen. Yeah. What up? I uh, and then Brownie's Queen, Queen, I get that. And then uh, the other one's Jerry Halloway, right? <laughs> get it. Yeah. Come on now. Listen. <laughs> oh, I'm eclectic when it comes to my music. Funny enough, uh, funny enough, Bale, I don't think I never thought Cher would up your street, big man. I listen, I'm eclectic, man. I ain't gonna lie. Like I listen to <laughs> all the three people you just mentioned I mentioned, but I've listened to them. Queen. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's got some bangers. Jerry Halloween. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. I listened to Spice Girls back in the day. You get me? Like, and, 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 and share. Listen, I'm cool, but... <laughs> yeah, but would you believe in life? <laughs> I'm with you, I'm with you. I'm with you, that's you, that's you. <laughs> Are we getting Are on, Bill? Uh, listen, I'm all right, you know. Um, Are you still yeah. getting in the gym? I've, I've made a little, because I've made a little home gym in my house. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm still in a hood, so I don't have a big back garden. Do you get what I'm saying? So, because I'm still, I've made a little bit of a home gym. So I've got like a spinner because my knees can't handle concrete running. And then I've got some dumbbells. So I'm trying to make, I'm trying to make the best of the situation. Are you willing to go back or do you want it to clear off? Uh, I'm willing to go back, if I'm honest. Is that the four kids in homeschooling you're just going to tether it? <laughs> Listen, wait, I, I dare you not come sit with my four kids and tell me if you don't want to get back out there. Like, I, I, no, like for me, look, how I look at it, of course, there has to be a safety measure, period. Like, that comes first. But I do feel that if, if they were taking the measures to try and make it as safe as possible, listen, I'll be... I'll be cool to go back, if you know what I'm saying. Um, mm. I just honestly don't see how they're going to with how much of the logistics and how many people that will have to be involved. I just I just can't see it happening. But I am one of them that if they did say, look, this is a plan that we want to try and implement, I would, I would be happy to go back. Mm. I saw an article the other day saying that if you're going for a tackle or you've been tackled, you've got to turn your head. I don't know if that was a parody account <laughs> or what, but... <laughs> 
what fucking chance have you got? <laughs> Listen, the worst thing is, I, there's so many things where they're saying they're gonna, you're gonna have to be playing with a face mask, and I'm like, what? Like they, they, they see me sweat. My whole face mask is going to be full of water. I'm like, listen, <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's not going to work. You get me? So I don't know how, I literally don't know how football's going to, how they're going to say it. You know what I'm saying? It's just, we're just going to have to sit and wait and see what happens. Especially the fact that like us big strikers, we've usually got two fucking bouncers hanging off us next, haven't we, most of the game? You already know. You, <laughs> you know what I mean? You already, it's only two, there's like at least three or four. One's got our neck, one's sitting <laughs> on our back, you know. So we're like, listen, big man, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. <laughs> you know, you know, after the um, the playoff final with Wimbledon, mate, when you chucked out the the WhatsApp, yeah, did anybody did anybody actually just drop in? Did you get anybody dropping uh, in? Right. Do you know the thing is, and I've said this, I swear down, if I realised that it would have been, I would have got that much response back, I would have done that years ago. <laughs> like, I swear to you, because. I was getting all over the world, people contacting me. And of course, because I'm on social media. So people was contacting me on social media, like, look, we represent this team in Mexico, this team in Qatar, this team in Turkey. And I was like, raw. But I should have went on social media years ago <laughs> and said, listen, I'm broke. Like, give me a club. <laughs> I should have done that years ago. But to be fair, um, like Gaffer, he didn't WhatsApp me, he actually texted me. So Gaffer Ainsworth texted me and said, Listen, B, I want to have a conversation. And then we sat down, and then the rest is, I guess, what they say is history. I mean, we spoke before, it's good as golf here, isn't it, Gareth Ainsworth? Say what? I say it's good as golf for you, isn't it? Oh, listen, people have asked, and I do think that in different times of your career, you have different managers that you turn around and say, You know what? Because the way I was in my career, he was a better, it was a good manager for me. He was a good manager for me. Like I had Kenny Jacket when I was at Swansea and he kind of taught me the discipline and a winning mentality. Um, but Gareth Ainsworth is the best manager just because I feel that, not just for myself, I feel that ability is one thing, but getting that man management, I, I gravitate to that more. I feel if you've got yeah. that man management where, and listen, I'll just turn 38. And I would try, the reason I say try, because my body sometimes won't allow me to run, but I would try to run through a wall for him just because of, he treats you like a man. And I think that, yeah. you know, sometimes managers feel, you know, we pay you, so this, that, whereas if you treat somebody like a man, you know, respect is earned. So I never want to let him down because of how much respect he shows me. So I think if managers learn that, they'll, it's, there will be a lot more, Part, there'll be a lot more older players playing because we know what works for us rather than you're yeah. my player, you run with a 21-year-old. And it literally just doesn't, it don't compute, it don't make sense. And that's why I salute um, Gareth Ainsworth as a manager. How, how, how old were you when you came to Donny Bill? Um, oh, I was, Donny was before Torquay, so I'm 22. How would you find it? Oh, me, I, listen, I love Donny. Like, I, I, I actually loved Donny. I loved, uh, I, I came in and the team was amazing. Like, the, literally the team was amazing from back to front. And I remember going in there like, yeah, you know what? I want to get into the team. And I remember having that bounce with Leo Fortune West, like, I'm going to take your place. Do you know what I'm saying? And you know how he was, you know, he was, yeah, yeah, B, 36. Look, you want to be like me when I'm 36? 36 with packs. Yes, <laughs> and that's how he was as an individual. You know, it's like, 
score 100 league goals, B. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's him as well. 100 league and even, But for me, and I, I learned from him. I remember watching him and how he used his body. You know, he was dirty with his elbow. And I remember coming in there thinking, all right, cool. I need to prove myself to get into this team because I think Doddy was third when I got there. So I was like, oh, listen, I myself to get there flying. And then when we got promoted, it was like the first time I felt, no, sorry, second time, but the first time I felt, you know, we had a parade in Doddy here and it was that. So I was ready to set and play for Doncaster, but Penny had different ideas. Yeah. Ready? Uh, a big fan of him. What? Not a big fan of Penny. No, you know what? I'm cool. I'm literally, I always look at it like this. When I first signed for Donny, I, I, I was a London boy. So every opportunity I could get back to London, I always went back to London. So there was a couple of times I got on a train and then I was meant to get back on a Thursday and I was like, boy, I'm tired. So I didn't go training <laughs> on a Thursday. <laughs> you know what it was? So I, I, I get that. I didn't I play and he said, yes, this is it. Then when he left, my agent spoke to the CEO or whoever it was, and he said, oh no, well, we're changing the contract. And I was like, that's not what Gaffer told me. He was like, well, that's what we're doing. And that's the reason why I didn't sign because I was like, two people are telling me different things yeah. and I bounced. But I've seen him years, I've seen him. He's been assistant manager and manager. So listen, we've got a good relationship. I've got nothing but respect for him, you know, but it just didn't work out and that's football. Yeah. Career highlight your goal against Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, go on. I like that. Go on. Yeah, yeah, go on. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember it. It's just on my notes. Somebody oh. told me. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the say, Brownie, stop being that, man. Hey, come on, man. Stop being like that, man. Come on, we're together, bro. We're together. I'm only joking, man. <laughs> uh, do you know what? I'll tell you, I'll tell you the funny thing about that. Like, because I'm a Liverpool supporter, the whole week leading up to the game, of course, we was getting pressed because I think it was the same as the 89 final. So... Wimbledon against Liverpool. So there was a big FA Cup. So it was a big story um, leading up to the game. Because I was a Liverpool supporter, I was getting a lot of media attention. So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool. I was like, listen, I'm, I never want Liverpool to win. Sorry, I never want Liverpool to lose. Only this game is the only time I want them to lose. You know what I'm saying? And then building up. And then I remember I knew Joe Allen from my time at Swansea. So I remember putting a call to him. I was like, tell Stevie G, I don't care. I'm taking his shirt. So... Best believe I'm taking the shot. I, I remember putting it out there. And I remember I said these to the, my, my teammates. I was like, look, I love you lot, but I dare any of you to try and take your shirt and put you man to sleep. I said this. So, but it was, out, it was out of love. You get what I'm saying? So we played the game and I remember Stevie G just was like, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's about time I score. So he just took the ball, did a one-two. They put it out, crossed it. He headed it, one-nil. Stevie G walking back like, you know, King Stevie G. And then I remember we got a corner and that was the season when Mignolet was... Um, no, no, no. He's a Liverpool sport, I won't say. But he couldn't <laughs> take... He, he couldn't handle crosses. So that was, that, that was the thing. So our manager was like, listen, pull it on him and you go stand on him. You go... So I was like, all right, cool. So we got the corner and to me, I've looked at it a few times and if they gave a free kick, I wouldn't have been surprised. Um... But they put the corner in and I've kind of nudged into him. It's gone over, hit the bar. And because I'm light-footed, you know, like a young default, I was quick on my feet and just attacked <laughs> <laughs> Do you know when you nudged into him, I bet he must have been on row, at least row L of the cop. It no, it was a nice little nudge in that sort of thing and it got it. 
And I, I keep saying, it's the only time in my career that for the first three or four seconds, I didn't know what to do. I was like, oh shit, I scored. Oh, what do I do? And then I remember just running off to the corner. And then when I looked up, I was celebrating in front of Liverpool fans because I was used to our fans being there. And I was wondering, why are these fans effing and blinding at me? Like, they're my own fans. And then realised, <laughs> Realised there was the Liverpool fans. <laughs> Did you get his shirt? Of course, he got his shirt. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Nah, Stevie, like, like I say, you know they say, don't ever meet your idols. Well, that's wrong because, like, he gave me his shirt, and to be fair, we still talk now. So, um, I got to salute Stevie G, flipping top individual, great professional, and I got, I got, I got, I ain't got a bad word to say about him because yeah. he always shows me love. Brilliant. Bill, I heard a vicious rumour that when you finished playing, there was the WWE mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, I had a sit down with um, a couple of the representatives of the WWE. Um, Vince, Vince McMahon? Vince McMahon? Uh, or is nah, it, is nah, it, nah. I, I didn't get, I, it, it wasn't a big, big dog. It was a big dog. So I wasn't <laughs> a big dog. A big dog. So yeah, I, I had a sit down with them and they asked me what was I going to retire this season. And I was like, no, nah, listen, I sat down with my gaffer and he's like, look, I still think you've got one more season. So I was like, look, I'm not retiring yet. So look, when I hang up my boots, we can revisit this conversation. So um, if I retire, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do actually for next season. So I'll just take it by a year and then just see what the future holds. Would you like to have another year or? Um, yeah, is it, you know is, it, is, is it more what, is it more now, right? I need to start thinking about time after football. Oh, to be fair, I was thinking about that eight years ago. Like, I won't even lie about that. Like, when I was 30 was when I started, 30, 31 was when I started the social media, where I was like, look, raw, it's not even football, society's moving into very much social media orientated. So I remember I started a Twitter, started Instagram and Facebook. So I started thinking about stuff I was going to do after football, just because, look, Parks, you know, they keep talking about big men. As soon as you hit 30, all of a sudden you can't do it anymore. And then every year they put a bit more, oh, listen, you're a year older. So I started to think about that. But I'm at a stage where I always wanted to say I'd be able to walk away football and football doesn't kick me out. So luckily I'm in that position where I've got things outside which I can go and, you know, put my jump into. So yeah. but at the moment I've still got that. I've still got the buzz. I've still got the competitive edge. Not the, I can't stand the running at all. I can't stand <laughs> could, against the winter. Could, could we ever, could we ever stand yeah, the running? Yeah, do you know what? It's true, but it's more and more now because mm. like the knees are just that wear and tear on the knees. And every time I do a run, my knees just say, yo, big man, stop. <laughs> <laughs> with that, Bayo, you know, with, with your size and talking about yeah. the fitness, you must have had so many fitness coaches and nutritionists trying to get you to change in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Um, look, Parks will know, will it? This is how I look at it. Uh, well, I, I told them all to fuck off me, Bayo. <laughs> oh, fuck off. If you, don't like, if you don't like it, sell me. Or fucking you know, release me. Right, or pay so, me up. See, see Parks, see, Parks is le less diplomatic than me. You get me? So, Parks is... <laughs> you get me? He's less diplomatic. But for me, and we're similar because we played similar, is... I never worried about being anything different than what I was. I knew I was a big guy. I knew what I could bring. And I remember I had one manager who, two managers actually, that tried to play me the channels. He was like, don't worry, put it in there. He'll get off to it. And I was thinking, 
what the fuck? Like you've seen me play, <laughs> you know, and I'm not, I'm not being, and, and I'm not being bad, but I'm not, I wouldn't work well in a team that's got a bunch of runners. I'd I, I know it. I'll, I'm like, cool. I, I can't play that system. I'm fine. So I just concentrated on being the best I was at. I'm like, listen, I know about my ball retention. I don't care. As long as you put the ball in the box, that's what it's about. So that's what I concentrated on. So whatever managers and nutritionists were saying, stop going to the gym. Look, you need to be able to be a bit more athletic. I was like, look, if that's it, go sign a striker that can run the channels. Like, yeah. that's just not me. So that's how I dealt with it. And listen, like you said, scored over 200 goals. Listen, I can't begrudge. I'm, I'm, I'm cool. You've done yeah. bloody well, mate, ain't you? Hey, oh, you? You get my vote as the better beast. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Uh, thank you, Reed. Thank you, Beats. Love. Leo, <laughs> <laughs> we've got a qu we put a quiz together, mate. All right. On your beloved. 60 seconds on 60 the clock. 60 seconds. Mate. All right, 60 seconds. All right, let's go. Did you do the questions, John? For Liverpool. But you know what's making me laugh is how all of you are just brushing your hair back. Like, I'm not hey, mate. All of you are, mate, I'm all loving of you this. this. I'm loving this, I tell you. I'm absolutely loving it. Hey, it's been a long time since I've felt this off. good. <laughs> Man just whipped off with the ball dead. I'm with you, brother. Say no more. John, you, not fun. you read them out. I have got Liverpool. Yeah, Liverpool. Oh, my God, John. Oh. You, said you, you said you were winning, mate, because... Uh, I've got to go get my fancy dress costume sorted out. Wait, you like ain't got the questions? <laughs> no, nah, mate, you have to, you have, to have a, a minute next week, Paul. Uh, <laughs> I'm calling you up next week. Absolute show of shite. Like, mum, you got the questions. No, no. You got the questions. No, no. You got the questions. Have you got a fair, mate? I got the questions. <laughs> to be fair, mate, we're thinking bottom of the league. We're, we've always been a shambles, mate. We're, we're, we have to get professional now, pal. There's no fun. All right, listen. I'll come back next week. I have my, have my questions next week. No, no mum, mate. Quality, mate. Yeah? Absolutely. Thank you very much bro. for coming on, big man. All right, bless Cheers. you. Cheers. Take, take it easy, mate. Take You'll care. take Love. care. Our next guest of the happen. evening, shot to fame as a steam vocalist with the legendary Trailblazers, Happy Mondays as Britpop and Manchester took over the world after ripping up the 90s with a band. Our next guest resurfaced on the X Factor in 2004 where Simon Cowell described her as amazing, but barking bloody mad. Ladies and gentlemen, Rowetta. How are we doing? Hi. Really? All right. Get that top off. Mate, you believe it or believe it not, right? I've Get just took, I've just took, I've just took this oh, Lee's top. I've been watching you. I've been I've watching just... you. <laughs> John, the wet just told you to take it off. Take it off. Right. I don't know. I don't want to see it off. No, seeing it. You just want me bare chested or shall I try another shirt or what? Don't mind. You've got bigger tits than me. <laughs> <laughs> actually worry, I actually wore a United shirt the last Leeds gig we did. I went on with the Mondays in Leeds and they're going, you're really brave. But I wore the, the old black kit with sharp ear that I can snow wore. And they got away with it. They booed a bit. Yeah, a bit of stick. Boo, I'll go off. A little bit. But if they boo, I'll go off. So they're not going to hear me sing. So don't boo me, I said. Don't you boo me. <laughs> is, it, <laughs> is Stoke all right? Are we all right with Stoke? Just, yeah, you can wear Stoke. Right, that's all right. Who's that, Robbie Williams? <laughs> <laughs> 
Bailey, is he? Yes. How are you anyway? Now you get really in good, lockdown. I'm, I'm, you I get... enjoy it really. I don't find it too hard. I miss gigs, um, but I, I like my own company. I like you know, I like being at home. Uh, but I just miss gigs, and I speak to Fez all the time and my mates. Um, I don't like all this uh, FaceTiming, all the girls contacting you going, it's Saturday night, let's get drunk. That's not my cup of tea. <laughs> I like my lad mates more for that. Well, did, did, you, did you feel comfortable on tour with all, with all the blokes? Yeah, I've been in the Mondays now for 30 years, so it's... Um, and most bands have been in... They've not been in loads of bands, but the bands have been in for a long time. They're all men, really. So, um, yeah, it's just, I really get on, with, I get on with the people I get on with, and then when I don't get on with people, I don't speak to them anymore, and that's it, it's over. So, but I've spoken to um, most of the lads, like the bands that happened one day, we fell out, me and Sean, for a few years, for about 12 years, but now we get on brilliantly. Um, me, Sean, and Bez, we get, we're like brothers and sisters again, and that's what I wanted, and um, it's beautiful. We've been back together since 2012, the Mondays, and uh, we just did a 30-day tour, and we still love each other. That's a bit <laughs> mad. Um, you, it was like back to back. Sorry. Do you prefer the old? Do you, do you prefer performing the old shows or the shows after you, you've reformed? Well, it's a lot more sober now because there were people on different drugs, obviously back then. Sean now he's, he got he comes to a gig about five minutes before the gig and he's gone before I get on stage. There's no argument, no doing whatever drug he was on back then. He goes home to his missus and his kids, or he goes to bed. And it's, it works. Me and Beth stay up and party, but we're not on the same kind of, you know, we have a drink and all that lot and party and dance. Might snog a few people, not Beth because he's got a girlfriend, but, um, you know, we don't, we don't, no, we're not, we don't do anything, you know, dangerous. We don't, um, like, back then it was like the drugs where they were too, you know, the Mondays, they're known for it, what, yeah. what they were like. We didn't remember gigs and we used to have parties in our room that just went on for days and you couldn't get rid of people. You know, and then people thought they were going to marry you and all that, and it was like it was awful. So I prefer it now. We can just go fuck off at four o'clock. I want to go to sleep. <laughs> what, 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 what? Like, obviously, we've been on uh, plenty of team coaches going away, but never like team coaches after everybody's had a night out. What were like? What were the smell like on a team on on a, your tour bus? That's the what worst bit for a girl. The worst bit in the Mondays. Um, it's, it was more as well. The crew were worse than the band actually, and a lot of them because you weren't allowed to poo on the bus. Some people in the sleep, we would do, you know, they'd mistake a bed for a toilet. Ah, oh, Jesus! Back in the day, <laughs> now, now Sean and Bez don't come on the bus with us on the tour buses. It's just the band and me and some of the crew. So it's much, it's much, much better. We like we party, but we have hotel rooms. I always insist now on a day room so I can have a bath and a bit of time away from the boys, and it works brilliantly. So was well, that, well, that more the fact that the the mistake in the bed with the toilet or they just thought fuck it I can't be asked getting on I'm just going to shite myself yeah well, the drugs back then must have been really good it's hallucinating isn't it it's like a bunk bed looks like a toilet no back in the day apparently allegedly the drugs were very good um, for those you know back then now I don't know what people shouldn't be doing nothing because they're full of everything apparently Who why did you get, how'd, how'd you get into it how'd you get into Mondays having Mondays I, mean, I was really into punk when I was a kid and um, when I saw the Mondays, I just thought I'd be great in this band. I was in a battered wife's home just then. I just did a dance tune that did well, but I wanted to be in the band. So I hung around with them for about six months and then manager said, we don't want a girl. So I just persuaded him after six months of having me hanging around for a bit. So I got on with lads very well. And um, 
yeah so I just they just I just became a mate first and then um, when they heard my voice they went oh my god look at her voices like when I sang on step on you know I think it, you know it, did, it was special and I literally just got them to like me by just being there just being like wallpaper and when it came to them to hear me sing it just was great timing Paul Oak and Paul got involved and then he said this would be really good with a girl on and I think it was Tocklosh man we did another song as well and then step on and obviously step on I've just sung it and then we did GMEX about a week later and then, honestly, I was doing GMX Wembley and Top of the Pops within a couple of weeks of singing Step On. And when I liked Happy Mondays, they were more of a cult band yeah, doing yeah. Witness, you know, like a little gig in Witness went to see him at. So I was I was really surprised to be singing in front of thousands of people and doing Top of the Pops. It was lovely and everything, but it was not what I... And that wasn't what I was looking for. I was just looking to sing yeah. with this band. So you were well in, like, you were well in on like, the Hacienda scene and everything before joining the band? A little bit, but not not loads. I was in a battered wives home. I didn't. I just went to the Hacienda, but I wasn't. I did one song with Mike Pickering and Graham Park, and that did quite well. So that's how I got my pass for the Hacienda. But half the time, I used to see fit lads in the queue, and I just stay outside, even though I had a pass, standing in the queue and talk to the lads and <laughs> in the kitchen. And I, like talking about the dance. I wasn't on pills like all the rest of them, so I just uh, <laughs> stand and chat to people. And I love kissing, well, so I used to snuggle loads of lads in the queue. And I'd have a ball. You know, how did you come about trying to get into X Factor? What, what was I the didn't, I didn't try to do anything. All it was, my grandma, she just said she was disappointed, I'd never done really well. And I went, I was in Happy Mondays, but she didn't like Happy Mondays. Someone to play dance shoes. She didn't get, she didn't get, she didn't think I'd done anything. And then I saw the advert with Simon Cowell and I did used to watch American Idol and I thought he'd like me. But to be honest, I'd fallen out with Sean. I wasn't in the Mondays anymore. I wasn't doing much. Um, I, I was just, I was on a bit of a down. I'd done 24 hour party people, which was great, but I wasn't doing anything. I was looking after a relative with my mum, who was blind and deaf, my uncle Michael, and he died. He died. And then I saw this advert a month later with Simon Cowell saying, it's the, the X Factor and any age. And, and um, I was over 30 and I thought, oh, it's any age. <laughs> and, and, and I thought he liked me and I just thought it might be a good break. So I was doing nothing. And I, I didn't know what I was getting into because it was the first series. And I ended up being the top woman, so it worked out really well. But I had to sing a load of songs I didn't really want to sing, but um, not really yeah, like I mean, sing and be a bit older than I am. I wanted to sing Stop Crying Your Heart Out and Sam said, no, that won't work, Rowetta. And yet he got Leona Lewis to sing a few years later. So I had, I had support from Liam Gallagher and all that lot. So it was nice, but I didn't want to, I just did it for my grandma and she's dead now. But when she died, she had posters of me, pictures from the newspapers saying how well I did in the X Factor. So do you know what I mean? She she died thinking I'm a big star because I've been on the X Factor yeah. and I was a top well, woman. So, you know, I made her, well, I made, you know, for her, she used to say, I'm so proud of her. She wasn't before. I was only proud when I'd done the X Factor, so you know, I'm, in it. I'm dead happy. In it. So do you know, I I asked the lads this question earlier. If I could ask this, do you know, like as a like a a, a pop star or a, a famous musical artist, as a fella, you, what are your perks as the women in it? You, like, what what is the perks for a woman? The boys. The bo- <laughs> No, because honestly, there's not, no, to be honest, because half the time they probably fancy Bez more than me or they want to get near Bez or Sean, but I'm, I'm, I've nothing against taking advantage of a young lad for a night and giving her a load of drinks. Back in the day, back in the day, no, back in the day, I'm just like one of the lads, so I just think it's funny. No, but to be honest, I've got, 
No, because no, it's just it's it's being treated with respect. I don't get treated like some nan, like them little younger girls who do pop. I am not a pop singer. I'm one of the lads. I'm like I'm happy the girl from Happy Mondays, but everyone knows don't fuck with me really. So it's, uh, it's ex- great. Ex- I love that respect you get, and I can sing it. I can be at a party and just start singing. He's gonna step on you again. You be me, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great party piece, now, and, and honestly. You get lads dropping the pants for me. <laughs> I, I was expecting like, oh yeah, I get my nails done for free. No, or... we ain't all that. Look, now we're on the lockdown. I don't need nothing. No. <laughs> I get me, me, uh, me, me hairdressing. I hate all that. No, I hate all that. I do it to promote local businesses when I do it, but it's not my cup of tea. I, I don't really <laughs> wear makeup and stuff when I'm not working. I don't like all that. Out of uh, Bez and Sean, who would you say was the most off the rails at the time? Of the the, well, the full height of the Mondays, definitely Sean because because he was addicted. Like Bez is not been addicted. Bez used to like his weed and he's given that up. And like people, he might he pop pills and stuff, but he wasn't addicted to everything. Sean was a heroin addict, and that's really difficult, you know. And it's, and when we fell out, I think he was doing crack then. It's really difficult that. So you know, years later, when you look back at it, I always go, you know, he's done so so well to not be addicted to anything. He even as he's on vapes now and stuff, and has the odd Guinness. And that's amazing for him because he was a proper heroin addict. And I was married to a heroin addict, so it's it's a nasty drug, you know, and it gets people. And it allows me to go, you know what, I'm not going to hate people for anything we fall out over because it's an addiction. It's really difficult to get off. So if you get off anything, well done to you. You know, I stopped smoking because cigarettes, I don't never smoke weed, but I've always smoked cigarettes. I love smoking cigarettes. And then I decided eight, seven or eight years ago, I'm going to stop. And it makes you feel brilliant if you're addicted to anything, if you can get over it, whatever it is. You and your drinking and wearing Liverpool tops. Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> Mate, the, the Liverpool... It's, it's the first ever one Liverpool top ever. It uh, is Bob Barnsley, they got a team. Fucking hell, eh? Can, can we... Get her off! Get her off! Bust have got a bastard team. I hope we're not your out of FA Cup one year. 3-2, <laughs> down at Hotwell. You've got a new song out, haven't you? Same to Bame, say again. You've got a new song out. Yeah, it's to me. Well, there's two. I was number one last week in the techno charts with a tune called The Game. Jay Potter, Alexander Technique, that's on Clueless. So number one, that's still in top ten. And we've got one at number two now in the dance charts, which is amazing for me. I'm a certain age, but I've worked with this guy called Oliver Heldens, who's massive in the dancing. Do a tune with him is amazing. It's called Rave Machine. It's number two. It's been number two for three days. I've just go, come on! But unfortunately, number one is a massive tune as well by Gorgon City. And number three is a tune, um, a remix with Diana Ross. So what a lovely sandwich to be in. But I would love to be number one. I can't wake up in the morning at 10 o'clock, the charts change. You go, please be number one. So it'd been amazing to be number one. To have two number ones in a week would be amazing. <laughs> Great to speak to you. Thank Thanks you. Yeah, you. honestly, it's thank you so, so much for coming on, love. Very, very, very much well appreciated. Done being on. Thank you. Okay, Rowetta, are you ready for your 60 seconds? Well, I'm ready. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Who is the club record signing? Pogba. To the nearest thousand, what is the capacity of Old Trafford? 75,000. How many... Am I right or wrong, Chris? Are they right or wrong? Am I right? Yeah, I'm right. right. Oh, right. I'll move on. How many times have United won the Champions League? Three more City. Three. We've won three. it three. When did United <laughs> last win the league? 2012-13. Who was the manager before Jose Mourinho? Van Hal. Brand name on the front of this season's shirt. I've got loads of them, Chevrolet. Yeah. True or false, United won the first ever Premier League? 
Say again. True or false, United won the first. True, true. True, yeah. United's currently position. Elite position. We're fifth, fourth. Fifth. I'll give you a fifth. fifth. Sorry, fifth. I'm saying fifth first, first, love. I'm saying fifth first. first. First, first, first. Who is the club's mascot? Fred the Red. I think it's not Fred the Red. Correct. (laughs) Who is in in costume or out of costume? (laughs) Go on, we'll give you last one. (laughs) See if we can get 10. Top scorer in the Premier League. Top scorer in the. Ours? Yes. Rooney. Our top scorer. Uh, This year. Oh, this year. It should be Jamie Bardy. Leicester. No, no, no. United. United. We'll give you a. You got to be fair. You got you got Man United all-time top scorer, right? You got yeah. the all-time Premier uh, the, this season Premier League top scorer, right? Is it? So it, you've got it. Ten. Sorry. Ten. <laughs> you've got, we got what ten. What do you mean ten? ten? How come you got somebody got eleven? How come they got eleven? You weren't quick enough. You got more, were you? Get, no, got, because you paused. I'm not getting you wrong. Because you paused. <laughs> give me another question. <laughs> You need to give me another question. You pause, you pause, and we're talking in between. Right then, go on, I'll give, I'll give you one more question. I'm not competitive, but... <laughs> right, I'll give you one more question. Well, it's if anybody last, else had 11, yeah. It's, it's the last one. When okay. Barnsley bet Manchester United in the FA Cup, what was, was the sure. score? Is it 3-2 to Barnsley? Fucking hell, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the score, but that's what it was. It is. It is as well. You're going top Uh, for that. You're going top on a joint 11. Top of the the pile. On a joint 11. Can you remember the... uh, Can you remember the game then? I I don't remember the game. I don't remember. It wasn't a guess. I I don't remember every game. I'm a bit busy. I don't want. I don't remember when we when we lose. I don't remember. <laughs> uh, to be to be honest, I don't remember every game against lower teams because I really. I, I feel, no, lower I usually teams. go out and get pissed, or have to. I have a long drive home, and it's it's a long drive home minute when you lose, which we don't. Well, we we do lose now more than used. <laughs> a lot more than you used to. But not next season. We'll be back with Fernandez and Gallo, and Wambisake. I mean, the best tackler, best one-to-one defender. We've got an amazing team again. Thank you. The thing is, you can't cross it though, Basaka, can you? He? he can tackle. We need to. Not... We've got Fernandez. Do got... you know what I mean? We've got a great team. <laughs> <laughs> Rowan, thank you very much for all your time. Yeah, very, very much appreciated. You'll take it. Hopefully, you get another, another number one for the uh, for, to win a week. That'd be incredible. Well, that'd be amazing. Thank you. You take care, Lou. Thank you very much Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Our next guest is a man, despite winning the European Cup Winners' Cup with Arsenal, enjoying two successful spells with Man City, winning a league title, three promotions and scoring 101 league goals, described his biggest challenge in football as managing an arrogant little twat from Sunderland, Scotland international and former Oldham and Doncaster manager, Paul Dickoff. How are we, guys? We're good. I feel you all right. Yeah, but Brownie, you didn't have to put your best gear on for me coming on, mate. <laughs> the best you've seen it. Best I've seen him in a long time. <laughs> How was he to manage, Paul? It was an absolute nightmare. That's why I've never went back into it again. Um, <laughs> no, to be fair, it was brilliant. Yeah, he knows that. I loved him. The season I had him there, um, he played in one leg half the season for me. Um, struggled with injuries and hardly ever trained, but every time I put him out there, it was, it was brilliant for me. Um, wanted to keep him, but 
and they ended up getting relegated and they went on to Blackburn after that. But no, he was top man. Remember he when I brought his thought? Cash, man, didn't he? he went chasing the cash at Blackburn. Yeah, he did. He did, basically. Uh, so I'll try to be polite about it there, Parker. Gaffer, remember <laughs> when I brought me tour? Yeah. <laughs> he pulls it in the office Monday morning and says, Brownie, I, I want you to play tomorrow night. I think we're playing Charlton the next night. And I You're couldn't there, yeah. barely walk. Coming in Monday morning, I, could, I, I couldn't put a trainer on. And I was like, right, okay. He says, if you play tomorrow, play Saturday, you can have three weeks off. Get on the beach and, and relax. Yeah. I said, right, fair enough. So I've, I've jabbed me jabbed me toe. I think we ended up winning, didn't we? We beat Charlton, yeah. I think I scored as well. Emory. Make a note of that, Johnny. No wonder you can remember it, mate. It fucking happened right often, did it? I was going to say, <laughs> it was the only one he did score that season. <laughs> I've played, uh, played Tuesday, played the Saturday, and then the next game was the Saturday after. So I've Friday afternoon, when, when all the team's doing shape and set pieces and all that, I've got the free reign just to go to the gym and have a, I think I was in the sauna. I'm sat in the sauna and the physio's going, what the fuck are you doing? I said, no, I booked my flights. The gaffer said I can have three weeks off. He went, no, no, you're playing tomorrow. Get in the show. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Brighton. Brighton. You, you forgot all about it, hadn't you? What? No, I, I remember that. I was just surprised how gullible you were that you believed me at the time. <laughs> what are you drinking, gaffer? Red wine? Got a, little, a little glass of wine here, mate, just finishing it off. I thought I would be half sensible and make three years, but I couldn't wait any longer. So. We need to talk about that playoff final. Oh, what one's that, mate? Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, go on then. Because <laughs> you're he, he working at the club now, do you think that's, obviously, that's what you're remembered for? Was that one of the yeah. best best days ever? Yeah, it's got to be. Um, you know, the work I'm doing with the club now, they've got me working as ambassador, flying here, there and everywhere. You know, been a lot of time in Asia, uh, Australia, Indonesia. You know, whenever the club I've got events on, because I'm massive now abroad, they're, they're sending me over to go and represent them and it's, I'm still living off the back of that gold 21 years ago and I'm, I'm not complaining about it either. <laughs> Long mate, continue. Yeah, I only scored one goal in my career and that was it. <laughs> we, had, uh, we had Nicky Weaver on. It's top man. And he, he he was talking about the whole thing and it was... He, he wasn't happy that you got a lot of the credit and he didn't. I'm still getting it now. <laughs> He's still getting none. I think he just wanted his job. Man said no one to employ the weeds. Like, ah, ah fuck that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Were Ryan saying, what? For, obviously, in goal was your best man, Vince Bartram? Yeah, Phil Gilliam. Yeah, me and Vince were together at Arsenal as kids and the reserves. And I was Vince's best man at his wedding. And me and Jan, my wife, are godparents to his kids. So. Um, who, who released the first text afterwards? Was it a congratulations or was it a was it was it a I'm still, I'm still texting him now about it. He's, <laughs> he's never heard the end of it. Nearly twenty one years later. <laughs> it was that long ago. If it were text, I'd just got to send the fucking letter in post. <laughs> Carry yeah, a pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, to him, he takes it well. He dreads the thirtieth of May every single year because in social media he gets battered all the time. Yeah. Was it a good uh, a good celebration afterwards? We had a decent celebration from what I can remember. Um, it was back to one of my mate's pubs in Altrium. And the next day, I actually had a, had a barbecue at my house. So it was bank holiday for all the players and staff. So I'm so glad we won. So everybody came. Um, the only one that couldn't make it was Ian Bishop. Do you know Bishop at all? Nah. No, he's top. He's probably one of the funniest men I've met in football. And Bishop stayed in London because he just came. He just signed from West Ham. Um, and he went back to his family 
and all Sunday morning or the Monday morning after games calling me and he's calling me vicious serious formal if the lads are running the night out he just he can't handle it if he's not there so anyway but he was going out for Sunday lunch with his, um, Jane at the time his missus and kids um, somewhere near King's Cross so they're in the restaurant and Bish all of a sudden tells Jane he's going to the toilet and goes to the toilet and ends up jumping the train and coming to my house and leaving the kids in London and he's on <laughs> which was amazing he's still five pints in the sleep who me? Ooh, I think we're doing well, Chris. Goals, <laughs> <laughs> I know, not all the. I don't know if it's a signal failure or if he's just raging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was inside. What the fuck have you just said, Brown? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> remember when we, uh, we played when, when I were at Stoke and we played your when you were at Crystal Palace? That was brilliant. We, we had an all nighter and you came met us after you got treatment next day. Yeah, all the way through, wasn't it? It was a big old session. Yeah, I would remember that. Session. It was that leather jacket you had on that night, Parky. I think you'd nicked it off of me. It was that tight on you. <laughs> I know. Not very often I went on my own, mate, when I got a leather jacket on, I'll tell you. <laughs> Did you have the vest on, Johnny? Did you have the vest on? Oh, probably underneath, I Probably, yeah. <laughs> Do you mismanage uh, If I'm being honest, no. Um, I look, I was lucky. You know, I finished playing and I sort of fell into it. I didn't even have a break it two and a half years at Oldham and two and a half years at Doncaster and um, I loved every minute of it and there's a part of me that misses it but um, if I'm being honest it nearly bloody killed me at the same time as well yeah. you know you, nothing prepares you for it and you know had some good lads had some Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Dickheads at the same time as well. Um, <laughs> but you've got to manage them all the same because you've, you've not... You've not got the budget to replace players, and you know, especially my first two seasons at Donny were tough because you you'll remember this, Brownie. There was two takeovers in place um, for the pre-seasons, and literally the week before the season started, both fell through. So what I was budgeting, planet, uh, what I was planning budget-wise for my team for the season probably got knocked seventy percent, and that was the week before the season started. Um, so I was, I was trying to persuade you to sign Brainy and stay, wasn't I? But I couldn't offer you anything because nah, I didn't know. It was up in the air, wasn't it? Yeah, all the time. You know, the second season there, we went we went to Portugal. Well, we went both seasons. Uh, first season, we went to Portugal pre-season. Um, and I got told before we went that the, the takeover was happening. So we had all these players ready to sign. And by the time I came back, which was the week before the season started, I couldn't sign any of them. And I literally had nine players the week before the season started. Um, and then I had five days to go out and sign players to try and get ready for it. So it was good for me. Um, and a lot of the lads were, were brilliant. They were. Um, but I found it difficult, the mentality, and I'm not going to lie about that. Um, you know, I think a lot of the players, and I think especially a lot, some of the players, not a lot of the players, that's, that's a bit wrong. Um, they want to, they like the thought of being a footballer, but they actually don't want to do the hard work that, that gets them there. And, and that was something. I, many times, mate, on this. Yeah, and that was so I couldn't because I wasn't. 
I played for 20 years and I was so fortunate that I played for 20 years because I worked as hard as I could every single day. Do you know what I mean? And wanted to be the best I could every single day. And I would see some players in training thinking that the, the dog's bollocks. And and for me as a manager, because I these players were contracted and my hands were tied, so I couldn't just tell them to do one and leave. That was more frustrating, weren't it? Yeah, it was. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, if you get rid of them or you call them in and say you want to get rid of them, they they, want to stay there and the money that they're on, they're not bothered. But then you've not got the money to go and replace them. So it was a massive learning thing for me. And not going to lie to you, there's still a small part of me that still misses it. But that's the competitive side, that's the match day side, that's being involved with the lads and everything else. Um, But the side as in dealing with boards and, and agents and some. Some players, um, I don't miss that at all. We know you've uh, know you've got to be got to be gone for nine, Paul. So we've got a quick quick quiz for you. A minute on the clock. Let's Easy talk. questions. Go. What's the name of the stadium? Etihad Stadium. What song is played before kick off of every match? One Paul Dickov. No, Blue Moon. <laughs> the capacity <laughs> of the Etihad's the nearest thousand. Fifty-five. Correct. Who is the club's mascot? Manchester. Correct. Club record signing. Oh. Rodri. Correct. Who is the manager before Pep? Pellegrini. Correct. Who scored Man City's first goal in the League Two playoff final against Gillingham? Kevin Orlock. Correct. And he he doesn't get any credit either. (laughs) Brilliant. Who's the current sponsor on the front of the shirt? Etihad Airways. Club's record goal scorer. Aguero. Who owns Who owns City Football Group? Shake Mansell. Who assisted Aguero for his famous title clincher against QPR? Balotelli. Correct. Nine. How many we're talking, John? Eleven. 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 Oh, it's up there. You've gone. You've gone above Andy Wyman. You've gone above Kirk off uh, Coronation Street. Kirkhoff, it's Dickhoff, mate, not Kirkhoff. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm going for the weekend, next time we can fly. Yeah. You're, our number one, you're our number one guest. I'll join you. Uh, if, I, if, if I didn't know that working for the club, there's something wrong, isn't there? Yeah, yeah it will get you sacked. <laughs> Brownie done that at Doncaster for me. <laughs> you're not the only one. <laughs> well, cheers, yeah, thanks very much for coming Thank on. you very much no. for your time. Great to see yeah. you guys. Enjoy your quiz. Thank you very much for coming on, Paul. Enjoy your quiz. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Thanks a lot. Still gaffer. Always gaffer. It's got a bit. It was a bit creepy now. Are you gaffer? Are you gaffer? This is a big one. This is a big one for me. Are we ready? Yeah. This is a big one. Here we go. Audio's connected. Here we go. Now, this is a man who needs no introduction, but you can't see him, so I'm going to give you one. A man who captained his country 51 test matches. A man who was the mastermind behind England's 2005 Ashes victory over Australia. A man who may be about to turn John Park up talking about him for three days. Ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen. Michael Vaughan, OBE. How are we, How are we guys? How are you? All right, mate. Good, mate. You? Oh, oh, mate, you I'm bl- smart with your tie, and I like that. Am I blushing? Can you tell I'm blushing? 
I like that. Cheers. I've got a glass of vino. I've been on it for a few hours, but never mind. Flocking in it. <laughs> thought you were a gin man. I'm a yeah, gin later. It's early. Yeah. It's only nine o'clock. I've made that mistake. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for coming on, by the way, Paul. Much appreciated. Can I, can I say that um, I don't know, I spend my winters in Australia and uh, Bumble sent me a, a, a direct message in around, it must have been November time. And David Lloyd scars into this under the cosh. Now, you guys, I downloaded it. I thought, I'll have a listen to this. I think the first one was uh, that I put Dominic, Dominic Matteo. I walked every morning from uh, Coogee, where I was staying, to Bondi. It's about, I don't know, I don't you know, seven kilometers, something like that. So I walked along and I listened. And you actually, for two months, you lot, you made my winter because I was walking in amongst all the Aussies, pissing myself. And they could, like, every now and again, so, all right, but why are you laughing? I said, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. Pit <laughs> House has just been mentioned. That Mark Crossley, he's just been mentioned. <laughs> Another day with Carlton Palmer. So I must thank you three uh, for entertaining me for two months in the winter in Australia. So thanks very much. Oh, man. It must be, it must be, a, shit, must be a shit gig, that, is it? Australia for winter. It must be terrible. terrible. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. I'm absolutely shitting my pants about this lockdown in case I have to stay here for a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> we've, had, we've had loads of players talking about man management and, you know, how important it is. But for you, England captain, with Peterson, Freddie Flintoff, that's some characters to, to manage, should we say? Yeah, yeah. Um, but great players, I mean, why why wouldn't you go out of your way to manage great players? I, I, I was very, uh, you know, a lot of, of sport is mentioned about the ethic of spirit and teams and, you know, everyone gets on. That's bollocks. <laughs> that, that's impossible. You know, you've got a group of 15 people in a room. How can you expect every single person to get on? I believe that the skill of the captain, the manager is to make sure that every single player in that team understands their role. And once they understand the role, doesn't matter what they look like, what they are, as long as they can fit into that team, you know, I believe that the skill of the captain in cricket is to make sure that they and identify that specific skill of that player right, to, and, and fit them into the team. If you picked them in the first place, you know, your job then is to make sure that you can put them all together like a jigsaw puzzle and hopefully on the Thursday in cricket when the test match starts, they go out and perform for you. So I wanted difference. You know, I think for one, sport is fun. You know, I believe sport is, is, is kids because it was our hobbies. And suddenly you start getting paid and you start taking it a bit serious. I wasn't like that. I, I wanted a team of players that could be a bit different. Um, you know, if you could have seven or eight norm, normal people who were a bit straight and would deliver, would be turning up on time, would wear the right kit at the right time. Um, if, if you said to them, go and do some homework, they'd deliver it. But around that, you need three or four that are a bit loose. I believe that. And and you mentioned those names. Those four were a bit loose. <laughs> they were a bit wild. <laughs> and, you know, but I didn't mind that because you, what you want and, and what I want, I, I needed players that knew how to win and knew how to perform under the pressure. And the best players, those that have got a bit of X factor, they need a bit more management. They need a little bit more time with. You've got to manage them on an individual basis. By doing that, you know, you've got more chance of getting the best out of them. And if that, you know, eight or nine who are just rock solid, you can't 
get the best out of those individuals without having those eight or nine rock solid individuals that arrive and you know what you're getting. But if you get that right and then you can just allow these flamboyant characters to be them, that's what they are. They're different. You know, they want to add the back page headlines. They're going to get front page. That's fine with me. But I needed difference. And particularly in 2005, I needed two or three players that were completely different that could take Australia on the quality team, uh, look them in the eye and say, fuck you, we're going to beat you. We're better than you. They believe that. Kevin Peterson, Freddie Flintoff in particular, they believed that they were better than Australia at that time. I'd never played with England players that really believed that they could beat Australia. Um, so I needed them. So I, I, I just went out of my way to make sure that they were actually... I mean, Freddie, was, at the time, he, he, he drank a few pints. You know, he didn't drink anymore. He hadn't drunk for about four or five years, I believe. But, you know, it, it took... Gone down, in my estimation. Yeah, Johnny, you're not like that. But I, I'll say... <laughs> It, 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 I liked it because it took about three or four, four AMs with Freddie to get to know him a bit more. I didn't mind that at all. So, <laughs> so basically, right. you just had to just had to tickle the bellies, just tickle their egos at a point. So I mean, I I, I didn't mind, you know, players. Um, you know, I looked them in the eye and I said, "Look, do you really want to be training today?" And if if, if, if you got that look back and you felt that they didn't, I, I didn't mind if they had a day off training. You know, I needed them there on the Thursday. Yeah. You know, and, and there was many players that, you know, Kevin Peterson that I played with, you know, he trained harder than any other England player that I'd played with. And he was a, a leader in his own right in terms of the way that he trained and the way that he played. Um, then, as I said, you had these rock solid individuals that you just knew were there every single day for you. Freddie, every now and again, I could see that he, he didn't really want to be training. You know, he, he probably had a late night and that's at the time was fine. I'll just go, Freddie, just go and sit on the physio bed, have a lie down, you know what, go home, not a problem, come back tomorrow. Because <laughs> I know, as soon as that 20,000 crowd arrives and they start to sing his name, it bowled 20 overs on a trot if he needed to. Yeah. And if I said to him, go out there, you know, Freddie, and take the opposition on with the batting, I'd do. Now, I don't know if you get away with it these days because it's more professional in a way and there's more uh, <clears throat> scrutiny. There's, I guess you, you can't get away with as many nights out because there's so many uh, camera phones and there's so many more reports about sports people going out but back in the day that was the norm that was professional, very professional but it was the norm what, back in the day that, that's that, what that, I was ask because but as you said back in the day you know like Botham and all that uh, that era did you see it did you see that starting to change and like we've, we've we've from our careers in football we've seen it starting to change where it, get, it is getting more professional I think cricket were worse than football back in the day weren't it Oh yeah, we, I mean, my my first, uh, I think my first year with Yorkshire, we, I, I, my my first trip was Lancashire away, Roses Clash. Um, I arrived at Old Trafford for a practice, lasted about twelve seconds, didn't do much. We ended up at the Bowden Hotel in Bowden. Obviously, um, I was rooming with we had roommates. I was rooming with Peter Hartley, he was a senior pro. He said, right down in the bar, we had six or seven pints. Playing Lancaster the next day, Wazzy Macram, Peter Martin, Glenn Chapel, Phil DeFratis, Mike Atherton, Neil Fairbrother, Warren Egg. Six or seven pints, cashed out on my pillow. Woke up the next morning facing Wazzy Macram. There's about eight or nine thousand there. It's a boiling hot day at Old Trafford. Managed to score a few, four, I think. And, and because I got my, obviously my highest score, it was my round because it was my, my, my career best. So I had to buy all the players a, a pint. We went to uh, the TGIs on the way back to the Bowden. We had two in there. We ended up back at the Bowden and there was a fountain bar in Hale, just next to Bowden. 
ended up in the fan. I was only a kid at the time. I got lucky. Struck rich that night. <laughs> Pete, Pete well, was around at the time. You you yeah, yeah. <laughs> next, yeah. Next day, I was out in the field. This is a true story. And, and I'm out in the field, and the captain, Martin Moxon of Yorkshire, came to me and said, uh, Young, and just go and ask... Uh, Go and ask their dressing room where, where the best pubs are tonight. I said, uh, Martin, we're in the field. He said, no, don't worry, just uh, tell the umpires you need a toilet break. <laughs> I said, so I've gone off the pitch and I've walked upstairs. It's on the old Lancashire dressing room door. I've knocked on the door, knock, knock, knock. I'm thinking, like, they're taking the piss out of me, the Yorkies here. Knocked on the door, he answered the door. Wazzy Macram, the sheet of paper. And I went, oh, oh, cheers, Waz. And I put it in my pocket, walked out onto the field. I said, Skipper, uh, Wazzy's giving me this sheet of paper. Give it to Martin Moxon. He's looked at it. He goes, yeah, I always thought that. That's the, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, we thought those pubs were the right ones on a Friday night. <laughs> and that was Friday night. We had a few more. Saturday, similar. <laughs> um, Goffey got six for on the Monday. We won the, the Roses match. Um, Sunday league game, Sunday. Sorry, Monday it was a finish for the four-dayer. At the end of the week, my dad had not been able to come because he'd work. And he ran me up and he said, uh, so now, how's your, your first-class debut been? You've done all right. You've won the game. It must have been tremendous. I said, dad, I said the problem is the cricket got, got in the way of the stag do. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that, was, that, that was cricket. That was the norm. You know, and I, I remember playing for England in 90 when I made my debut. It, 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 was, it was professional, obviously it was. We had a, a great set of senior pros and... I got cricket at the when, as John mentioned, it, it was properly wild. It was a stag trip every week on a, on a county circuit. International cricket arrived for me in 99. It was professional, but not, not too over the top. And then in around 2008, 2009, when I finished, it became very scientific. You know, as soon as those ice baths arrived, I, I knew I had to disappear before I get them. I didn't quite understand jumping in a, in a bucket of ice at the end of the day's play. Um, and I think I got cricket at the right time where I saw it as a name, you know, which I, I, there's many stories about what cricket was back in the 80s and 90s. It's true. It was a drinking game where players played good cricket. It really was not as professional as it is now. And I think now it's become a, a, a very scientific, um, you know, probably strategic game, which is played by numbers a lot. Uh, I think somewhere in the middle is absolutely perfect. Somewhere around 2003-04 when it was just a little bit of science, a little bit, but you just played the game. Mm. And I think that was probably the best era of the game around that time. I know you're a Chef Wed fan, but is that right? Chris Wilder taught you how to drink. He did, yeah. God, he's a good mate. Yeah, I, 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 it, it kills me actually when I see United doing so well and, and, and them playing great football because <laughs> I, I love him. because He's such a good mate. He... he he actually used to manage uh, Bradway on a, on a Sunday. And when I was a kid uh, playing for Yorkshire, I, I used to train with him on a Wednesday night. And every now and again, you know, he'd say, I'll oh, just come on, you know, on the, on the line on a Sunday. We might get you on. But I never got on. But I used to hang around with him all the time. You know, there was a, a group of them. And he, he managed them. He was playing, I think, at Halifax at the time. And then, obviously, then he went to Bradford. Uh, then he started a bit of his proper management. But he really loved this Bradway team. And Sunday was, was an absolute ritual. We'd go and watch Bradway. There'd always be a fight. Guaranteed there'd be a fight. They'd all be scrapping. <laughs> load of idiots playing. Game As soon as the game finished, they're all shaking hands, hugging each other. They'd all been kicking seven bells out of each other. But we'd meet down Ecclesall Road. We'd go down the, the beach down at Ecclesall. And then we'd end up at uh, the Cricketers Inn uh, behind the away end at Bramall Lane. And yeah. who was, the, who was the landlord? Billy. Billy White. Yeah, Billy, yeah. Billy had. Sunday afternoon, what does he dress as? Elvis. 
<laughs> Billy always arrived there and I'm the young kid and they just pushed me in the corner and say whatever you're seeing here don't mention it to your mum and dad <laughs> rather than say just drink that and put in front of me 12 o'clock at night he'd ring his pals they were on the way down to the wholesale market selling fruit and veg they'd pick us up and they'd shit back of the fruit and veg band they'd drop me off at the village where I lived with my mum and dad and as they dropped off at my mum and dad, they'd lob me out the back and then they'd just pelt me with apples and pears and all sorts <laughs> out the back. And on, a, on a Monday morning, my mum would wake up and go nuts because the drive was full of fruit and veg. And Wilder's been a mate ever since. He used to come watch me uh, play for Yorkshire all the time, uh, played for England, many, many test matches. Uh, he came to the World Cup final last year, brilliant. Days before, he said, can you get me some tickets for the World Cup final? I said, not a problem. I said, but I don't think I get any freebies. No, no, I'll pay for them. So I've, I've, I've given him the uh, the MCC contacts at Lords. He's bought these three tickets and he's paid a fortune for a World Cup final ticket. I don't know what he paid, but I think it's about 800 quid each. He's he bought one for his pal. And anyway, on the day, he's rung me up. He said, fucking hell, these tickets. Have you seen? He sent me a picture. He's only got the tickets behind, behind this massive pillar. <laughs> <laughs> the Sheffield United managers had to go like this behind this pillar to see the game. <laughs> oh, but he's gold. I love him. I mean, I hate the fact that United are doing so well, but I love the fact that he's doing great because uh, I, I, I like the, what, what he's delivering is real management. You know, yeah. John, you've, you've all been around proper managers that are a bit old school but just give it he can manage people and if, if there's any a lesson to anyone that wants to go into management you can have your science you can have you can have your foreigners that's fine there's some magnificent foreign managers but give me anyone that can manage people and different people and that's exactly what Chris Wilder can do you know I was lucky enough uh, a few months ago to get on there and interview him for the Telegraph and and the, the guy that I took from the Telegraph with us he couldn't believe Premier League manager was so open, and not just open. I was walked through the, and I hate it going to Bramall Lane. It's a it's a pigsty in it, but you know, I had to go in there. But all the staff, you know, he knew every single member's staff's name, and he's waving at them, and then he took us into his little uh, manager's room, and he's just a normal fellow. Again, it, it's a lesson to everyone that uh, you don't have to be a super superstar. You can be normal, but you know how to manage people. And the football, again, it aches me to say, but the football they're playing, if Chris Wilder was Spanish or Portuguese or Brazilian, yeah. there'd be books of style and what he's delivered. If you del if you go back to what he's delivered at Northampton in his mm. win percentage ratio, With the to what he's done at Sheffield United, they would be, there'd be DVDs made about his mechanism about how to deliver on the football field because it's Chris Wilder from Sheffield who taught me how to drink. He gets fuck all. <laughs> you know, it's just Chris Wilder. <laughs> I, 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 I was watching a few clips earlier. I was telling the lads about this, Steve Armisen and forgetting his pads. Good player. I, lo I love Steve. I mean, he, he's football mad. He managed... Uh, he managed Adlington up there, didn't he? He actually loved football and then he did cricket and he could bowl, he could bowl fast. But bearing in mind, New Zealand's a long way away. We travelled to New Zealand in 2000 and must have been 2007. So we get down to New Zealand and we've been there two and a half weeks. So I've been with Steve for two and a half weeks, but we played these two warm games and he's not done much with the bat because he hadn't had to because we've been getting all the runs. He's not really done much. Anyway, the night before the first test at Hamilton, he comes and knocks on my door. Barry Mike never knocked on my door in his life. And he knocks on my door and he said, uh, Skipper, um, just to let you know, um, 
you know, you use gun and more equipment, don't you? That's just Steve, brilliant. I've been playing with you for 10 years. Delighted that you've uh, just kind of noticed <laughs> that I use gun and more equipment. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks for that, Steve. He said, uh, you're similar height. And I said, yes, Steve, thanks. Yeah, you're, we are. you're a bit tall. I said, why, why are you asking all these questions? He said, uh, your pads in the... Can I just try your pads on? And I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. But why? He, he said, uh, we've got a slight, slight issue. He said, uh, I haven't got my, my pads with me. I says, wait a minute. I said, we've been here two and a half weeks <laughs> and we're starting a test match against New Zealand and you don't have any cricket pads. He says, no. I said, but Steve, that thing that you carry through the airport, that box, you know, that, you know, we've seen for two and a half weeks. What is it? He said, oh, it's my dartboard. I said, so you've come to New Zealand as an England player with an effing dartboard, but you don't no. have any cricket pads for the first test. He goes, no, but they're coming soon. <laughs> Who was the best player? You used to play, play footy when you were warming up. Who was the best player you've seen? Footballer. Oh, football. Um, God, uh, Armisen. Armisen was good. He's a proper oh, player. Oh, back to Mark him, you know. Yeah, he's I love a bit strong beauty, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he, Steve was a good player. Um, I, I would say, I won't mention them, but there's a few of them actually better than football, football than they are at cricket. <laughs> <laughs> are they knocking on the head now? Oh, yeah, there's uh, there's been a couple of injuries. That Rory Burns got his, um, he did his ankle ligaments in South Africa and he's been out ever since. So, you know, it, it's one of those, isn't it? You, you play every morning because it gives you a buzz. Cricket's a, it's a long sport that you're, you're away so much and you just need that little bit of energy every morning just to give a bit of a buzz and it creates a, a bit of spirit around the team. But once you get an injury that takes one of your key players out for a while, that's done. That's done. The, the boys are good. I, I, I'll be honest with you, I've, I've never, never celebrated as much as when I put the cricket on in 2005 and Glenn on his fucking ankle. I was absolutely yeah. buzzing. Well, I get it. Well, John, you know what? The, the high level, high level uh, management's all about putting the ball in the right place at the right time. <laughs> we, 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 we managed. I've never seen an England team celebrate someone being carried off as much in all my life. <laughs> Nine thirty-three. I remember it. The three it was. I remember it to this day. Marcus Triscothic, um, Glenn McGrath used to get him out for fun. He, he was the happiest chappy. I've never given a team <laughs> just saying, look, just just look what's happening, lads. And, and all these smiles suddenly started to arrive on the uh, the faces of all the players. Yeah, key moments. You need a bit of arse, don't you, when you're, you're going to win big events. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just mentioned Marcus Shoscroft then. Obviously, he had a lot of problems. And we've spoke about it on the podcast. With, he had a lot of problems with being away. Uh, being away from home. Yeah, it must he did. have been he, tough he, to be away for two, three, four months at a time. Honest, um, I, I love it. I, I, that, that's that's me. I, you know, I, I think my missus loves it as well. When I go, <laughs> I can see you. Um, but I think for someone like Marcus Triscotti, you, you know, I I, tr I toured with him for. Oh, I, I went on an under 19s tour uh, to Sri Lanka back. That must have been about 1991, and I toured with him pretty much every year till around 2005 when his struggles started to arrive and. To think that he, he went every single year and he had this illness, it, it's remarkable what he actually went through and, and what he achieved with the illness that he had. I, yeah. to this day, will say that if, if Marcus had not had that illness, he'd have been England's greatest player. You know, he, he'd have broken Graham Gooch's record, Alistair Cook, which he's obviously our leading run scorer now in Test Match cricket. Truscott would have battered that. 
And if he'd have had all the records in one day cricket, test cricket, he he was a brilliant player. He really. Did y'all know about? Did y'all know about him struggling like this back in the day? No, no. The the, the only, I would say, the only kind of now I look back, you know, that first tour that I captained him, and it was an under nineteen tour to Sri Lanka, and we, we used to have those big coffins, you know, the the cricket coffins with all your yeah. kit and. And I remember arriving at Heathrow to the um, the hotel, and, and as I arrived, uh, the left, and we all got one coffin and one bag. And I looked to the left, and I saw that Triscothic had two coffins. And I said, "Oh, I said favoritism. How come he's got two coffins? He's got more kit than the rest of us." He said, "No, no, no. He's got his sausages." I went, "What?" And I looked. And I said, and I pulled his other coffin. I said, "He's got a." box full of sausages. That's why he was called Banger. His nickname was Banger because he had to have sausages with every meal. He was taking the half of sausages to Sri Lanka. And looking back, I mean, I know it, it sounds bizarre, but he, he had this kind of mechanism in our mind that was slightly different. He did that routine. Yeah, absolutely. There was another story that we were playing at Lords, and, um, you know, he had to write a, a little memo in his in his diary every day. You know, he'd go to breakfast and then he'd go up to his room and he'd write a little memo of uh, some kind of mind things into his diary. Uh, and I'd or he'd drive me. And we got to halfway to Lourdes from the hotel, which was at uh, Regent's Park. And I remember just looking at him and saying, uh, you haven't been upstairs, mate. And he looked back and he suddenly turned around in the car and zoomed back to the hotel because he'd not done it. He had to go back to the hotel and go back to his room and write his little notes because he'd routine sorted out. But for that moment, you know, I, he'd I, forgot I, about his routine. Yeah, yeah, he just forgot that he'd not done it. Right. You know, and these kind of players, and, and I think that's why we, we, we've got to respect sport is different. You know, yeah. players are different, people are different. They have to tick boxes, some people. There are some that don't give two hoots about what they do every morning, but there are some that need a routine. They have to deliver it. And he was one of them. And, 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 and honestly, I, it's not me just speaking about him. He would have been England's greatest player by country mile if he'd have played for another what was the hardest thing about being a captain? Uh, probably uh, hardest thing I would say probably my own form, trying to get my game right. Yeah, you know that that that's hard when you you know back in the the time I was captain, there was there was lots to do. See, uh, at a time when we you know we we didn't really play that well against Australia. My mind was about trying to make sure that we could beat them and get a team. And, you know, my philosophy was if I could get. 10 or 15% out of the other players and if, if, if my form dropped by a bit well I, I'd, I'd accept that but the captain <laughs> for me I, I, I absolutely adored it I, honestly it, it, if you said to me now what would the one thing that you'd want to do in cricket again it's captain just me I just found it such good fun yeah. you know, and, and I know it's pressurised and it's stressful I guess for some but I found it such a laugh that, and people are so oh, did you read Mike Brearley's book or Mike and Derry Captain's and I said, I didn't read anything. I didn't want to know. I just wanted to do it. Uh, I never aspired to be a captain. I just got given the job. And I thought, I just uh, the best advice I got was from my dad. My dad said, we always remember in any sport, in any team, it's about people. If you can manage the people, your team will play for you. If you can't manage people, there's no chance that your team are going to play for you. So it was probably the best piece of advice. He asked my dad... Um, the test captaincy, true story, it was on Monday, the last, te- uh, the first test against South Africa, Nasser Hussain quit on the Monday. And we'd played four days, we had to bat out the last day and uh, I got to Wedge Baston for that first test, of, of about, of about half eight. 
guy in the dressing room, Nasser's there in the corner, he's got his head in his hands, and, and I could see he, he had obviously issues and he was thinking about a few things. And he's looked up at me, and I'd been given the one-day captaincy prior to that series, and we'd done all right with a younger set of players. Freddie was coming through, Steve Armiston, Simon Jones, um, Hoggy was around. And Nasser just said, Corny, uh, can I have a word with you outside? I said, yeah, not a problem. So he took me outside into this coach's room at Edgebaston, and he said, right, I've had enough. Uh, you're going to be the test captain. And I was like, all right, great. Um, uh, and when did this start? <laughs> and he said, no interviews or, you know, going down to ECB Towers. And, you know, like you guys now with your old ties on, none of that. Uh, <laughs> and I said, oh, oh great. And, and bear in mind, this is the Monday and the next test starts on Thursday. So I've got to play on the Monday. My head around the fact that I'm going to captain England on the Thursday. So I think, oh, right. Oh, cheers, Nass. So I shook his hand and I went into the room. I've got one of the massive mobile phones out of my jacket. I thought, I better ring Dad. So I get on the phone and I, I went out the back and I, I ran by Dad. I said, Dad, uh, he's on his way to work in Sheffield. Uh, Dad was a salesperson. Uh, just to let you know, uh, I've just been told by NASA that I'm going to be England test captain from now on. So Thursday at Laws, you better get yourself and mum down because Thursday morning I'm strolling out with my blade and my cap on. I'm the test captain from now on in. And there was silence. I said, Dad... Can you hear me? He said, "Yeah, I can hear. You. I can hear you, lad." He said, "But fucking hell, they must be struggling." That's the true story. So that's that's how I got the job. I, I, I was <laughs> captain a few days later and went from there. Well, we're going to test your knowledge. We're going to test your knowledge on Wednesday. Quick fire oh, questions. No. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'll just say Carlton Palmer for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> We're going. What are the names of Sheffield Wednesday's mascot? Aussie uh, and Aussie uh, and Aussie uh, and Summit. Barney, we'll give it you. We'll give it you. To the nearest thousand, what is the capacity of Hillsborough? Now, uh, 30 and a half. Oh, 40. Who was the manager before Gary Monk? Uh, Carlos Carvajal. Oh, the animals on the crest. Oh. Right, it's now. Who is the club's leading goalscorer this season? Uh, Fletcher. Who is the club's record signing? Oh, we've had some donkeys. Um, uh, Jesus Christ, record signing. Would it be Carboni still? Oh, Jordan Rhodes. How many times have they won the FA Cup? <laughs> uh, FA Cup, we never won it. Three times. What is the current league position? 11. 15. What colour is this season's away kit? Look at Parkey, pissing himself. Orange. <laughs> Green. That's done. Fucking. It happened in Australia all winter. Three. Three. <laughs> they won the FA Cup in fucking December, didn't they? <laughs> no. Jordan Rhodes is still our best signing, most expensive. 8 million, won it. What the most dark? What did Carboni come for? <laughs> what about here? The money, I think. That's what he come back. But yeah. uh, because I've got one of my heroes on, uh, Michael Vaughan, 12. Put him at the top of the table. Yeah, put me at the top. Oh, I've counted 12. There's three there. We've, we've, we've won the FA Cup three times. <laughs> I only ever remember the Rumbelows Cup in 91. <laughs> 
Michael, what what fruit do you recommend to have with your gin? More importantly, oh, anything, anything, mate. Grapefruit will do. Orange. Just added it to me basket. Yeah, just fucking, anything will do in that. It's lovely. Nice <laughs> juice. Nice lockdown juice. Have <laughs> <laughs> you had a game he's, on? Yeah, he's coming on, I think. He's on the. He's on the list. He's on the list. Hit list. Get him on. I, I need you to stock up for my Australian trip this winter. <laughs> hey, brother. Oh, cheers, yeah, mate. Top man. Thank, Thank you, you very much. much. Cheers, lad. Cheers. Take oh, care of yourself. Cheers, Fucking smart, Parky. <laughs> Thank you, mate. <laughs> the happy job? Uh, I don't think you re- I need to go for a piss, Rev. I don't think you realise what, 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 what that just meant to me. I'd rather I'd, I'd had him on, right, than fucking Ronaldo. There you go. <laughs> Best known as his roles as Darren in the Royal Family, Kirk in Coronation Street, the real king of the jungle, and of course, <laughs> Eric from Artbeat. Andy Wayman. Let's see, what are you boys? Hello, mate. Very well, mate. Very well. Are you safe and well? Yeah, not too bad. Doing a few TikToks with it with my wife and daughter, so I was just gonna I say I was gonna ask you about the TikToks because I've had a look and the boys got moves. <laughs> the boys got I moves. About that. I did do um, I did Soapstar Superstar in two thousand and six and one of the judges said they had snake hips. So that one not the one doing all that crap, shaking your hips, it was uh, <laughs> yeah, don't come for me, that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's what I mean? It's usually a cat. I, really I didn't get told how to wear a suit. Did Johnny no, look you? Normally, we're normally in a vest. I'm in a vest and a pet, and just a pair of Calvin's or something. It was kind of weird for me because I went on, I went on Twitter and I had about I had about fifty you know you're under the costume. Like, well, what? I was like, what's going on here? Like, so I messaged a few people. And obviously, I seen John message me. So I was like, message DM. Don't mind doing it. Coming on for a bit with you boys. So. Oh, no, we crap. appreciate it, mate. Yeah, yeah top man, it. mate. Top man. Yeah. How did you get on in the jungle? Did you enjoy it? I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I mean, I've, I've been a massive, I mean, a massive fan of Coronation Street. I grew up watching it. Um, I've watched I'm a Celeb since it started to do it. And I, I just went, excuse me, I was going to work one, one day in uh, Alison Sinclair, who's our, our, our press officer, dragged me into the office and said, are you up for I'm a Celeb? And I said, I've always said I'd do it. So I went for a meeting last April. And it's kind of, you go for the meeting and say, oh yeah, I'd love to do it. And I, I was on set and I just got a text off, uh, off, off Alison saying, uh, when you finish, come and see me in the press office. So I was like, okay, no problem. Went up, as you said, uh, pat you. So I was like, wow. Yeah, it was just mad of me to, to do it. And it's a bit hard going in as a late arrival because, I mean, it's, for me, I think, going in, everyone's already made the little clicks then and everyone's getting on well and everyone made me feel really welcome. But I still think it's hard as you, when you're going in. Do you know I mean, it was hard. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I miss my wife and kids like mad. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think I've ever cried so much in two and a half weeks, but it was an um, amazing experience. And to come second... I mean, I would love to have won, don't get me wrong, but even to get to the final and come second, it was a dream come true, really, so. How, uh, how bad does that shitter smell, then, on the morning? <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. I mean, it wasn't, see, to be honest with you, it was kind of weird, because obviously, when I first went in, I was in I was in the jailhouse, and there was only, like, six of us in there, so it wasn't too bad. But when you walked into the main camp for the first time, and you walked past the bunny, it does stink of shit, believe me. Absolutely stinks. <laughs> Who's, who'd oh, be the worst one to follow? Well, anybody you really didn't want to follow? No, no. What's well, honest for you? You mean, you just, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not the nicest of things having to have a crap in, into a bucket, do you know what I mean? So, um, it's, kind of, it's kind of weird. I've not, I've not been camping since I was a kid. 
So to go there and do that, it was um, a bit bonkers, really. But I always knew I could do it. But it's, I mean, I didn't know. I didn't. I knew I missed Nick much as what I did because obviously, although I was only in there two and a half weeks, I, I was I was in a lockdown for a week, so it was about three and a half weeks without speaking to them, and I speak to my wife every day. You know what I mean? So I found that really tough. But apart from that, I mean, the actual experience of it was just mega. Absolutely loved it. So, Brilliant. are you uh, United? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a shame, really, because obviously we started to play some really good stuff again. We beat City, um, we beat Chelsea away, and started to play some really good stuff again. I mean, since Fernandez has come in, um, he's made a massive difference. I mean, Classic. I was saying, like, I've never seen a player come in. There's only one player I've seen do it all the time, and that was Henrik Larson. And he was 33 or 34 when he came in. And he looked like he'd been in the Premier League all his career. I mean, even if, even if he misplaces a pass, he always wants the ball again, which for me as a fan, that's what you want to see. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, He's a nasty I think if he, well, isn't he? he loves the tackle. He loves the tackle. He does, yeah. Great, do you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's one of them, like, I mean, I love Pogba's a fantastic footballer, but as a fan, and I've spoken to a lot of fans about Pogba. He's been injured a lot this season, but he's never done it consistently for me. Not like four, five, six games on, on the bounce shot. I mean, when I was growing up, like Brian Robson, for me, was was my first. When I watched United as a kid, he was like, wow, what, what a footballer. And then you had Roy Keane, you had Paul Scholes. And they, they'd have like one, one in 12 bad games. Where for me, if you're getting paid 300 grand a week, you need to perform week in, week out. And I don't, I don't know what's important for me. He's, he's, he is a world-class player. But as a fan, he doesn't do enough. But Fernandez has come in and since he's come in, for me, he's done more. And then whatever game, how many games did he play? About 10, 12 games. And then Pogba's yeah. done, probably done in like three seasons. Do you know what I mean? Which, which I don't like to say because I don't like slagging players off. But mm. I think when you get to pay 300 grand a week, I think you need to, you need to step up to the plate a bit more. Yeah, I think him coming in, he'll give Pogba a kick up the arse as well when he comes. But I mean, the thing that the thing what we need to, need to decide is, does he want to beat the club? If he doesn't want to beat the club, then go. Do you know what I mean? Well, and I, think, I mean, for me, getting the likes of Jack Grealish, I think is a, is a I think is a great player. He's done well in, in a side that's struggling. He's the most fouled player in the Premier League. He's struggling for stay inside. Yeah, well, I don't go anywhere else. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But, but as a footballer, he's, he's a twenty-four-year-old lad. Do you know what I mean? And, He's obviously earning a hell of a lot of money and he's made a mistake. Um, but hopefully United won't look at that, I think. For me, he'd yeah. be a great signing for us. Obviously, with Fernandes coming in now, if we can get... I mean, it's like, I mean, what do you boys think about Harry Kane? That could ever happen, me personally. I don't think it would, but what do you boys think? I think, he'll, I think, I think, I think he'll get to the point where he'll want to fuck Tottenham off, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I think he'll be like, I've, I've done all I can here. Uh, you're not helping. You're not. You're not helping. I'm not going to win out here. You know. I mean, it could be. It could end up beating Shearer's uh, scoring record and never win a trophy. Yeah. I think it'll be a record signing. Speaking of records, Andy, how, how many years have you yeah. done on Corey now? Um, twenty. Well, this is twentieth. Twentieth year now. This year now. Are we going for the record? Well, I don't know about that. I don't think anyone will ever beat Bill. Bill Roach. I mean, he's a he's a legend. I mean, he's eighty. 84, 85 now, yeah. and he still comes into work. He's always bang on with his lines. He's just for me. I mean, he's a legend. Have you heard the uh, the the Ken Barlow football chant? I've heard it a few times. No. At lower league. Oh, it's a cracker. I've heard it at a few different grounds. Sing it then. I've not heard uh, it. You don't drink in the Wolf Park. 
Cause that's in Emmerdale, he don't drink in the Queen Vic. Cause that's in EastEnders, he don't drink in SU Bar. That's all he oaks, he drinks in the Rovers. Cause he's on Corey Kembalo, 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 Kembalo. I've got no idea if he's a up or not. It's a cracker, honestly. <laughs> We've got some uh, we've got some quick fire questions for you, mate, on United. Just a minute, a minute's worth. And there's a guys we'll let you get, back, we'll let you get back to your pints then. Cheers, lad. Are you ready? Well, Are you ready? They're easy, but we're going in quick. Club record signing. Um Ronaldo. Paul Pogba. What? Pogba of course it was. To the nearest thousand, what's the capacity of Old Trafford? 75. Correct. How many times have United won the Champions League? It keeps changing. <laughs> uh, three. Correct. When did United last win the league? 2013. Correct. Who was the manager before Jose Mourinho? Uh, Louis Van Gaal. Brand name on the front of the shirts? Uh, Chevrolet. Correct. True or false, United won the first ever Premier League? Uh, Correct. United's current league position? Uh, sixth. Fifth. Fifth. Who's the club's Fifth. mascot? Uh, Fred the Red. Who is the season's top goal scorer in the Premier League? Uh, Rashford. Correct. Who is United's all time leading goal scorer? Wayne Rooney. Oh, that's Excellent. a record, mate. How many top of the two, man. I can't. Well, I was thinking. Well, I, was, well, I can't only get Pogba. I was thinking of Ronaldo when he went. No, it's only eighteen million. That's less than Pogba anyway. Well, well, Fred, well, Fred the Red, right? Well, well the yeah, mascot, well, right? Yeah. Ten. 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 Sensational. I've not. I've noticed he's wearing his his coat and his tie with a pair of jeans. Hey, you know, I didn't think I'd be standing up. I didn't think no, you're lucky. I've got them on, Andy. Johnson. <laughs> I've got my tartan jammer shorts on. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> Andy, thanks very Cheers, much for Andy. Yeah, A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.